Barney and Friends. Barney Simon. Jacaranda FM. Harry walked over and said, Hello, Dad was cutting. He said, Tell me, Lighty, why when all your friends visit you, you take all your toys, you hide them away? You scared your friends are going to steal your toys. He said, No, Dad, I'm scared they're going to recognize them. So that, that that's the accident. <laughs> and that kind of, yeah. in, you know, Indian people don't mind. Yeah, exactly. Now, th- this is how ridiculous this is that Indian people don't mind. Never get offended by that. Laugh and they go, it's poking fun. Stereotyping, right? But there will be people out there going, how dare you say that? Mm. You know, you're being derogatory. And well, I don't really mind anymore. I'm not going to be on this planet long enough to care, actually. And when people get offended, I say, well, look, it's your right. But be offended. But, you know, that's, be offended. Don't but, like it if mm. you want to, but don't tell me what to say and do. So I remember the Roynaka and the Sotis and the, and the, <laughs> any any uh, any any planks. And I mean, yeah. I, I'm a Dutchman, right? Right. And you, I never felt offended. I had a good no. laugh. If you have to laugh at yourself, exactly. You know, that's the main thing. So uh, it must have been quite. Uh, did you have? Uh, <laughs> Did any of these Afrikaans guys give you a hard time mm-hmm. and you never had problems with them, right? No, I mean, they, you know, and also maybe because they didn't feel safe in places like Durban, there were not enough of them to be angry. So they just laugh along. And it, I, I think, you know, th- that's the last vestige, I would imagine, of kind of people being kind of very serious about themselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, black people in South Africa laugh at themselves. You know, like you, you can poke fun about the fact that black people can't swim. Now, that's a generalization. Mm. Black people can swim. On Boxing Day and New Year's Day, that but those are the only <laughs> <laughs> those are the only two days they're allowed to swim. And my black friend is sitting no, here having cool. a good laugh. I mean, no, Cabello, I, I mean, <laughs> but you see what I mean? You don't have to want to swim. Mm. You know, it's not exactly. compulsory just because we swim. Doesn't matter. Uh, also, I mean, the, the young black comedians came mm. through. I remember I saw uh, it was Mel Miller. I saw him, and uh, it was at the. Uh, it was some hotel and they had the awards. It was a charity thing that mm. the record industry always, I can't remember what it was called. And he went on there and Mel, you know, mm. with his cigarette and whatever. And he mm. said, um, don't worry about it. All the black guys are inside. Your cars are okay. okay. And, and in those days, it was in the <laughs> yeah. 80s. You should have seen the people. Yeah. The, the, it was Mark Alex, the two yeah. singers. They sat there and they, they, st- they actually clapped and had a mm. laugh. But the mm. rest of the people went, you can't say that. Yeah. And what, what do you think of the up and coming, uh, you know, going back about, sure, let's look, 10 years when these young mm. black comedians got on stage and they went on there and we had a good laugh because they laughed at themselves, mm. the jokes that they told. Yeah, well, um, we used to run comedy out at Carnival City. Now imagine it's fairly kind of blue-collar, quite conservative. And uh, right at the beginning, black comedians going on stage and, you know, very wary about this thing. But, you know, eventually you get you get sucked into the story and you'd see them laughing and then go, you know, like, well, what am I doing? I must be very careful. I'm actually laughing at this guy. So I think comedy has been a fantastic kind of dissolver of prejudice because, you know, a black guy getting on stage and poking fun at himself and then poking fun at us because we are also as ridiculous, that takes the sting out of it, you know. And I'm not saying that suddenly now everyone's going to sing Kumbaya together. No, what it does, it makes us more uh, aware of the other person and the fact that they are different, but actually essentially deep down we're very, very similar. It's just culturally in the way we've been brought up makes us interpret and look at life totally differently. But comedy has been one of those incredible bridges between races. I mean, you know, the, the vast majority of the comedians who work at our clubs are black now. So it's only, and, and we've never had to worry about affirmative action and make sure that you get black. It kind of reflects the demographic in this country that the majority of comedians are black and the minority are white. 
so we've never had to worry about it. You get on our stages because you're funny, not because you're black or white or old or whoever. That's our only criteria is you've got to be able to do the job. And we've been very lucky because so many young black guys are very, very funny. You know, never had to worry about that. And also a lot of uh, female comedians coming through. In America now, um, there was a lack of a lot of female Maybe mm-hmm. they were a bit scared to go on stage, but now phew, I can – yeah, mention about twenty. Everybody's of them. got a theory about that, and and you know, I would venture to say that pretty much when you talk about the percentage of females against males, it's it's pretty constant right throughout the world. Uh, we had, don't have many females in this country get on stage. I mean, a lot of females get on stage, but talking about paid comedians or comedians, um, not that many. And it's not because there's anything different about us. It's the same in the UK and Australia, and in America. And, uh, you know, once again, you get on stage because you're funny enough. And we encourage that, not because we're trying to even it up, but, you know, if, if you're brave enough, and, and for some reason, w- women are a lot more kind of intimidated by this, you know. Some, the, the really good ones like Tumi Meraki and, uh, you know, there's uh, uh, Tenjiwa who lives in the UK, comes, a South African woman who comes out here and works a fair amount. There's Angel Campy who's working at the clubs this weekend, Nina Hasty. Um, I'd be remiss if I said I could remember all their names now, but we they work on the stage. Uh, but the the ones that are trying to get through when we have our open mic competitions, there's very, very few females who enter them. And I don't honestly know why. I could sit here and I'd have an opinion about it and other comedians have come, something completely different. Tell me about your time in Australia, the good and the bad. Um, right. I did the Melbourne Festival in 1998, produced my own show there, uh, made a huge amount of mistakes, but you know, that's why I think I've got the experience I've got today is because I took those risks stupidly maybe at the times. But, I mean, I did the festival and it was for a whole month in Melbourne. Um, biggest audience I had in a 200 seat, there was about 60 people. First night, there were only two people. South Africans? No, Australians, okay. funny enough, yeah. No, I, I, never was, I was never able to connect with the South Africans in Melbourne. So I was basically working to people who were at the festival. So it was intimidating, difficult, cost me quite a lot of money, quite traumatic at times, you know, because you, you know, you're handing out flyers and you go to the festival club rub, rubbing shoulders with these well-known people and there you are in a really nice venue, you know, getting 20 people a night. So it was very, very difficult from that perspective. But one of the, one of the great things that happened was the very first night I was there, I had to do a yeah, – they had a warm-up spot. And then one I did was at a place called the Esplanade Hotel in Melbourne. And the comedy room was right at the back. And I remember after I'd done my gig, I walked, had to walk through the lounge. There was a band playing in the lounge. And I thought, that music sounds familiar. This was 1998. And uh, I had not known because I'd never taken the trouble to find out who had written most of the work, music of this band, but the band's name was called the Colonnade Band. And uh, they, were, they instead of having the saxophone, actually, of violin, but it was him, you know, and I'd heard them play live in a dingy little lounge at the Esplanade Hotel in Melbourne. And the, so the next day I went, I thought, who wrote all, and there's this guy's name, Colin Hay was the guy who wrote all the songs. So that was a like a huge moment for me. I mean, it was just one of my great moments in Melbourne. But uh, Melbourne, brilliant place. Great comedy festival, best in the world. Go there; it's, it's just brilliant. Yeah. New Zealand as well. Though. No, no, no. You sorry. haven't been there yet. No, I haven't been to New Zealand. They've got about three comedians. Now they're going to look. You know, got, when you dig a bit deeper, in most countries where there's a comedy culture, you'll find that oh. there's a lot of kind of up and coming guys. But and then we just hear about the blokes who are well known. 
They've got more rugby players there than comedians. I would think, yeah, they're pretty good, but rugby players <laughs> in there. But, of course, Kevin Bloody Wilson. Yes, I want to know about Kevin. He, <laughs> it, it, his number's on your cell phone. Yes, I know no, we met. You know, I've, I tour, I've toured him here twice in 2008 and 2010, and then he was out doing a television series here in 2012, so he worked at the club. Um, but he's, he's, a, just a, he's just a regular guy, and uh, for people who know what he did or what he's done, He's one of those icons in, in our industry. People who, uh, the songs, I can't even mention some of the names of the titles of the songs. It's so disgusting. But he's really funny. Um, and he's politically completely incorrect, which I love because I'm, you know, I couldn't be tossed with bloody political correctness. I just couldn't be bothered with that. Um, and we've been mates now. In fact, the first time I saw him was at, at, at the, at hysterics in, it, it, the Rainburg waterfront in 1997. He came into the Monday night there. Came and watched him, and we kind of met then. But then after that, when I toured him, we've actually become good mates, you know. So the other day on another radio station, mm. when I called him, he just couldn't control his language, so the F word was flying around <laughs> before they had time to cut it off. But it was fine. He's a good guy. At the end of that interview, he also said, uh, <laughs> "Use the F word," and I say, uh, I, "I don't want to use the F word now." Yeah. But uh, am I going to get a prize? Or an effing prize? Yeah. <laughs> at the end, what? Brilliant. I, I, yeah. I, I love it. Are you bringing him out again soon? Uh, well, he's got to finish that television series, and he's going to take a, uh, quite a long time. So I, I'm not sure he's going to do a tour, but he'll certainly work the club again. Uh, he's he stopped touring in the UK. He's now just touring Australia. But um, brilliant stuff. Uh. I've got a song here which I want to play. So mm. um, um, Joe Cocker. Yeah. Hey. You are so beautiful. What does that song mean to you? Why do you love this song um, so much? Well, first of all, I just I think he's just brilliant. He was yep. fantastic, and um, and funny enough, whenever I think about my kids, that's the song I want to play for them. Your your kids, uh, you told me they all educated, and you you also the relationship you had with with all your kids. You told them, listen, you can do whatever you want to do. Mm. Just a little bit of advice for parents listening now and. Uh, Family. Yeah, um, apart from in a functional home and a loving home, and I mean that probably means a lot of different things to different people, is that practically speaking, you educate your kids and you love them as much as you can. And and also listen to your children, you know. A lot of people think that because we're older that they've got to kind of take our stuff and our baggage and all that rubbish that we've got to tell them. But I think we need to listen to children, you know, even though they might talk what we consider to be a load of rubbish. Mm. Listen to them, love them, but educate them and give them opportunity. Listen to the words. that little bit at the end there. Joe yeah. Cocker, you are so uh, beautiful. Um, amazing man, Joe Parker, very positive. Uh, uh, first thing when you wake up in the morning, what inspires you to take on the day to look at South Africa? Do you love this country? Or else you would have lived somewhere else. Uh, you know, dumb question, but what, what makes this country so special and why do you want to continue with something that you love doing? Well, um, most importantly, we've, we, we've got these two comedy clubs here. I mean, I, I, you know, I miss my kids. They all live in Europe now. Um, so, 
you know, we we've we've we I believe we've got a great product here. I mean, we've got uh, you know Monte Casino, the, the club's doing really well. We've opened a new one at a uh, new club at Silver Star Casino out in Krugersdorp. And there's huge amounts of growth still to come there. And I mean, I'm not going to carry on doing this for the rest of my life. I'd like to get to a point where I could, you know, just take a step back. And I'd really like to spend some more time. I'd really like to spend some more time with um, with my kids, you know. So I'd, I'd like to travel a lot more, you know. Mm. So, but you know, Africa gets in your your blood and your bones, and this is where I make my money, and and this is where I've got to be for now. Also, a nice thing that that you've done, uh, you know, you love South African comedians, not only but musicians as well. Young people coming up, we have to look after uh, the, the the youth of South Africa because they are the future of this country. Mm. And you now put bands in in your venues as mm. well. Yeah. Um, what made you decide that? Because I look around, it's like where do the bands play? If yeah. they don't do corporates or festivals, but uh, you know, thank goodness you've uh, you're putting bands. Back. Barney and friends. Barney Simon. Jack around.